This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Clearing off a little bit in the capital city area, which is nice to see. Well, the provincial government is following the lead of the federal government in declaring Monday, September 19th, an official day of mourning in Newfoundland and Labrador to mark the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. In this province, it means that all provincial and federal government employees have the day off and schools are closed, but many other businesses will be open. The decision being left with business operators, whether or not to give their employees a day off. Well, this has some fam- families suddenly left scrambling for childcare options and childcare operators trying to fill the gaps or decide whether or not to close for the day. Well, here to discuss the matter and other issues facing childcare operators in the province is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool, which has been in operation for four decades. Hello, Gail. Good, uh, good afternoon, Linda. How are you? Good, good. So uh, what are you doing this Monday? We're closing. We're 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 recognizing the uh, uh, the holiday that's been um, designated, and and we've decided to to take it. Uh, any specific reason behind that? Well, first and foremost, I guess, in, recogni- in recognition of the Queen's uh, passing and, of course, you know, being the sovereign of Canada as well, you know, in, in Newfoundland, you know, uh, the dominion, I guess, of England and uh, before joining Canada. So I think it's a very important uh, holiday for, for us. So we've decided to take it. And also, um, to be quite honest, Linda, I felt it was really important, um, uh, seeing it is going to be a a holiday, you know, the one-off holiday, that the staff, uh, the early childhood educators that, uh, you know, for my centre, I speak for only, uh, that they they just get a little break, a long weekend. It's been a a tough slog since we've uh, reopened from COVID. So what are your family saying? Um, I, well, you know, I'm sure a lot of them have the holiday as well. I, I would hope most businesses uh, would decide to take it, but uh, I really didn't get any 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 uh, fallout or, or negativity about the closure. But, you know, and I speak from my centre. And I, my centre is relatively small as well. You know, I, I, I'm licensed for uh, uh, 38 children, so it's kind of small in the grand scheme of things for daycares. So you felt it important to give your uh, early childhood educators a bit of a break. What are some of the pressures facing childcare operators these days? Well, it's 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 a little grim to be quite honest. Um, and I know you know everybody is trying their best to to um, ease the the shortfalls, but it's it's just it's it's not working. <laughs> so. Um, for you know my center particularly, um, we have a lot of uh, the, the staff are really working. You know, not getting a break, no breaks. You know, we're there on the floor with the children the eight hours. We're not an, or longer, so it's it's been tough. <laughs> you indicated to me previously that some uh, ECs even have trouble trying to find time to get to the bathroom. 
Yes, because we're on the floor. You know, you're you're kind of like you know. Oh my gosh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Can you can you kind of just watch my kids there? I just gotta run in. So you know, you're nipping into the bathroom, into the kids' washroom, and it's it's yeah, it's it's been a challenge, and I I think it's uh, you know, it's it's you can imagine, you know, especially you know, females. You have to use the bathroom. <laughs> that's that's all to it. Um, yeah, and and you know, like I said, you know, we're not getting breaks. Uh, we're short staffed. It's crazy. A lot of VCs, I feel, have left the profession. And you know, when we kind of were uh, um, easing back after COVID, a lot of them did not return after the after the uh, the lockdown. Why do you suppose that is? Well. Again, a personal feeling. Excuse me. Um, I think I think we were we were kind of um, uh, you know mandated back. We're essential service. I understand that. I think we all understand that. But there was a real push there uh, to to make sure you know the education, the K the K to twelve. The teachers had their PPE and they had their boosters and their second vaccines and whatever the case was through the the fallout through uh, you know reopening from COVID. And the early childhood educators, we we felt a little bit. <clears throat> Neglected, I guess, Linda, and and I think that's that's been a big thing from what I'm hearing from, you know, ECEs, and I am an ECE myself, uh, which is a little bit unusual because I, you know, I I do work in the center every day and and am an operator, so I I'm there on the front line, you know, doing doing everything the uh, the girls the other girls do. So yeah, I think I think that was one big thing, and and it just felt like oh my gosh, you know, here we are back to work, and you know, we didn't have the PP, and then they were scrambling to get the teachers all vaccinated, and they weren't even in the classroom, you know, yet. So it was kind of a I use the you know analogy, the cart was put before the horse. And of course, we we tend to forget it's been three almost three years now. But in those early days of COVID, there was a real fear in the community. It was it was a lot of stress and strain. Terrifying for us, you know. We're you know these are these are children who one are not vaccinated and still are not vaccinated, and and you know you gotta you're pretty close up close and personal with these children because their their needs are so great. You're on the floor with them. You're face to face. They can't cover costs. They 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 don't have those social skills developed yet. You know they're coughing. It's it's sneezing. It's it's just out. It was terrifying. I, I I'm gonna let me see. And I, I feel from what I hear um, that that's that's that was a part of it and you know there's a lot going on in in child care now and and a lot of fast changes and in kind of adapting to them has been a little uh challenging as well and um the other thing i'm hearing from um from ECEs is um the government is coming out with this wage grid, and I, I think it's taking quite a bit longer than than it should to develop. And this is like the wage grid is to um, uh, designate what uh, you know what ECEs are going to be paid um, with this new government, um, provincial and federal agreement signed. Um, and and they what the government has come up with is. Uh, is not a raise at all. It's just that they're going to roll it out 
Oh, well, so far, now, it's, it, again, the, it's, you know, the details are not sorted out yet. So I think everyone is still waiting for January to see. And I'm hoping that it's going to uh, bring back some really good ECEs that we've lost. I've, I've lost three highly trained ECEs over COVID. And like I said, I'm just a little center. So I can imagine some of the bigger centers are really struggling. And I want to go into that a little bit more with you. So what, a little later on in the show, but what you're saying is that have things improved or, or no? Uh, uh, no. No. But again, January is, is where, you know, there's going to be a whole new uh whole new uh, lot of things coming out with the agreement signed, you know, provincially and federally. So the details are very, um, not not a lot there yet. So we're hopeful that there's going to be some really good uh, positive uh, changes for childcare. And uh, of course, you know, it's an ongoing struggle and, and it costs money, you know, and the government's stretched, I'm sure. But we're, we're optimistic, Linda, and that's, that's the best I can, I can leave that at. My guest today on On Target is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool in operation for 40 years. You've seen a lot of changes over that time. Indeed, I have. How has uh, how has early childhood education changed in 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 those four decades? Well, there's been a lot of a lot of improvements. There's no question about that. You know, regulations um, and the adhering to them is is very important and. Um, and, you know, that's that's been a big part. And it's ever-evolving, you know, child care, like anything, any business, any industry, it's it's ever-evolving. Um, but, yeah, there has been a lot of changes. And, and the past couple of years has been uh, um, more quickly changing. than, and, and I think a lot of it is to do with, you know, uh, providing affordable daycare for parents. You know, in January, it's going to be $10 a day, which... You know that's that's very very affordable. Right now it's fifteen, but January it's moving to to ten. And our government signed on, and you know the uh, the target date to be signed on for ten dollars a day. I think for Newfoundland was to be twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six. But we're signing on in twenty twenty three, so we're ahead of the game uh, over most provinces. It seems to me too uh, that over that length of time, you've seen the the uh, industry professionalize, if you will, and with this emphasis, of course, on early childhood education as it should be, uh, as opposed to what people used to call one time babysitters, which is incredibly <laughs> offensive. But you know, you must have really seen some big improvements in the professionalization of the industry. Oh my goodness, yes, yes, Linda, and it's ever changing now, and I, I'm, I, I'm. I'm really hope it's it's a wonderful fulfilling um profession uh you know i'm this is my 42nd year and i still go to work you know at the center and i fill in where i have to and right now i'm actually covering in a classroom full-time because i am short-staffed um so you know in terms of of in 
the quality of your educators, it, it is improving tremendously. And I really hope, uh, you know, we keep the momentum going. The government has come up with a lot of incentives to uh, entice uh, people to go into the profession with, uh, you know, some grants and um, bursaries and various things to 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 help the ones upgrade that are, you know, still at the minimum level of, of a trainee level, let's say. Um, so, so these are good things. And I, I really, you know, can't emphasize what a fulfilling uh, feeling it is every day at the end of the day to know you've made uh, some really positive impact in these lives. And, you know, Linda, I feel for myself as I'm aging, I, I look at these kids and I go, oh, my gosh, they're going to be my personal care attendant someday. And I, of course I want to make sure they, I set them up to succeed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I know uh, there, I've, I've had ECEs in my life that I've, uh, oh, my goodness, they're so dear to my heart because they, they do such extraordinary work. And really, this is the, this is the front line. This is where, people's, uh, where ECEs are able to recognize we've noticed something about your child's behavior. We think they yeah. might have a learning disability. We think they might have ADHD. We think they might be on the spectrum. Um, and they're usually the first ones to get that process rolling. Absolutely. Uh, still, you know, uh, we got a ways to go for, you know, to, to develop the professionalism uh, more, but it's, it's evolving. And, and like I keep, I keep emphasizing, I really hope that uh, the wages do go up. It, it's a very tough day. You know, I know for myself, I, I, when I'm working the full days, I, I come home, I eat dinner and I literally I shower and I go to bed. I have to, to go, you know, so I can get through the day the next day. It's exhausting, but very rewarding. And you've seen a lot of changes in regulations, no doubt, over that length of time. So uh, um, I, I know regulations are needed and they, uh, they make improvements, but do they also create some difficulties? Well, they do create some challenges and, and um, they're obviously necessary. Like I, I can never, uh, you know, I'll never say that, uh, you know, but some, some things are a little extreme. For example, I'm going to go back to, again, my personal, uh, and I know this is, the, this is true, for filling some of the gaps we have in the profession right now, where we are short-staffed. There are daycares that have classrooms closed and more than one classroom in some larger centers. It's so periods. Uh, I'm going to, I'm jumping around a little bit. So just keep me on track there, Linda. So, you know, it's not so much that there's a shortage of daycare spaces, particularly for children age two to, uh, to uh, six, let's say kindergarten. Um, it's a shortage of um, qualified educators to, to open the classrooms. That's a big problem right now. And again, it's a sh massive shortage. And, you know, I, 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 there are ways that I feel, and, I, I, and I, I can't get anyone to answer or listen to um, some of the solutions. For example, there are some really fabulous, uh, I'm going to use ladies because, let's be fair, this is a female-driven industry for the most part, that have left the profession because they did not want to go back to school to upgrade. Now, the government has come up with um, this pilot caregiver solution, which allows us to keep some of these people bought. 
it has major limitations on on our you know how we can use these people they can only work you know x number of hours in a year they can only they cannot be left alone People who were left alone in a classroom prior to, uh, you know, their their trainee level expiring and not wanting to go back to uh, a recognized college to upgrade, were allowed to be in a classroom with a waiver to work with these children and were phenomenal early childhood educators. And they've had to leave the field because they didn't want to upgrade. And now, you know, this, this casual caregiver project um, is very restrictive when these people could easily fill some of the gaps we have. But they can't be left alone in a classroom now all of a sudden. They have to be with another teacher. And not every center has large classrooms with two teachers in them. So it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's of no use to a lot of centers, you know? So I imagine that uh, they didn't want to upgrade simply because I, I suppose it, it takes you out of, out of working and, and there's a cost involved. Well, there is a cost. Now, like I said, the government has come up with, uh, and they do um, supplement uh, and reimburse uh, the fees, which is wonderful. A lot of these ladies are older, myself being being one of them. I didn't want to go back to school. I am still uh, at a trainee level, uh, 42 years. Like I said, I started when I was quite young and, and worked my way through. But then as, you know, and, and I bought the center then after working there for 11 years. And I kind of, my role was, and I became a mother and I was young and, and I just didn't have time to go back to school. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to at that point of time uh, go back and upgrade. So I am still trainee level and I am filling in a classroom. And after 42 years, a grandmother raising my own kids, I can't tell you how many kids I've helped toilet train and nurture. I am not qualified to work in a classroom by myself. Now, I, this is a regulation that is ridiculous. 42 years, you're still considered to be at a trainee level. Yep. I'm filling in a classroom right now and I have to have a waiver on, for me, a waiver. Waivers are, you know, daycares are wavered up the wazoo with, you know, trying to find qualified staff. And, you know, just the term waiver is kind of a little bit intimidating. It kind of takes the legalities off one area and put on to another area. Anyway, it is what it is. And, but yet that's true, Linda. I know I, I can't, I'm like going, I can't believe this. I have to have a waiver so I can work in a classroom uh, of my own center uh, of 42 years uh, educating. And I keep up. I do my PD. I keep my trainee certified. And I was grandfathered into this level of trainee. There's not, you know, so, I, yeah, you know, sublime to the ridiculous sometimes. So that is a regulation that is a little bit extreme, especially now when we're so short-staffed. And classrooms are closed. Parents are begging, begging, begging. I have hundreds of peer, people on a wait list for space. So what could improve that situation? What would you suggest? Um, I think they need to right now. The government needs to for even a short term till we till we see how January is going to roll out. And, and with uh, hopefully this wage grade is going to, you know, give them a higher wage and uh, and entice some people back. But I think for the next three months so we can get some classrooms opened and get some parents childcare, uh, just lighten the restrictions a little bit on exactly the example I just explained. And some of the older ladies, I've had, I've had several go through my center that are incredible. But um, um, 
they've you know they left the field but they're wonderful and if we could just have them back until we we get some new fresh young people trained it would solve a big problem and and i've had a lot of ukrainians actually apply who were child care providers in um ukraine you know and i have their diplomas but for some reason and i don't know you know if it's immigration or how if they're here on work visas that i don't know so i can't really speak to that but it, again if government would just uh, license lighten a little bit of the restrictions for short term these people are quite willing and their english is quite good and they would have a lot to offer and we'd be able to open some of these closed classrooms so you're you're seeing difficulties with uh, trying to get some of these uh, Ukrainian uh, childcare workers into the system. I have, and uh, and again, I you know I, I can't speak to why uh, you know why if it's a work visa problem or what it is, or you know the uh, the. Um, uh, accreditation, you know, uh, agency is ASNL, and I don't know if there's something there. Why they can't? I, I don't know. I, I, I've asked, and I, I've, I've, I haven't gotten an answer yet. I have asked at the higher level, uh, the Minister Haggy, and I've uh, emailed um, the uh, provincial director of early learning, and I've also emailed the director of ASNL and asked, you know, can we? try to expedite some of these people so we can get classrooms open. There are parents are trying to go to work. You know, we, we got a big problem here. There's, there's job vacancies everywhere. And if people don't have childcare because classrooms are closed and daycares, they can't go to work. So we're not solving any childcare problem right now. We're, we're hindering it. My guest today on On Target is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool. We're, we're talking about early childhood education and the, and the child care situation in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. We're speaking with Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool and about some of the, I, I guess, challenges and rewards of the early childhood education system in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I know, Gail, uh, in recent months, uh, the provincial government has uh, uh, signaled that it appears to be rather serious about solving some of the problems in the in the field. And uh, they recently introduced full-day kindergarten, for instance. Has that helped to ease any of the pressure? Um, full day kindergarten was uh, implemented, I believe, in 2016, and it was kind of rolled out very quickly with not a lot of warning for uh, child care centers to uh, adapt with obviously a big part of their uh, enrollment no longer there. So this time the government is rolling out the uh, pre-kindergarten, they call it, it's not junior kindergarten, it's pre-kindergarten. Um, and they're doing it much slower, which is giving us time to uh, adjust, which is good. The kindergarten was, was really damaging. A lot of centres were hit very, the full-day kindergarten, sorry, was damaging. A lot of centres were hit very, very hard with the uh, sudden um, uh, decline in, in enrolment. But uh yeah, that was a tough one. So I'm, I think we're all happy to see them, uh, the government roll out the junior, the pre-kindergarten a little slower. 
So how will you be able to adjust then to junior kindergarten if you lost a lot of your enrollment with uh, full day kindergarten? Well, yeah. So, yeah, it is going to be tricky. Um, we'll just take more, you know, you'll be able to accept more, open up more uh, space for preschool age, like uh, two, two, two uh, to four years before the uh, age in the kindergarten. But, you know, parents have an option as well. It's not mandatory. It's not part of the education system. So uh, I would think most parents, if if they're happy with their childcare uh, provider and the centre they're at, they'll they'll probably keep the children um, at the centre. Again, this is this is uh, unknown right now, but and they're rolling it out quite slowly because I don't think schools have a whole lot of space, uh, and you know. Of course, the, uh, the this also puts pressure on looking for ECEs. Um, this uh, the pre-kindergarten program. Um, you know, they're they're supposed to uh, in the um, the agreement that was signed. Um, they were supposed to uh, hire level three early childhood educators. So it goes trainee level, level one, which is one year diploma, a level two, a two year early childhood diploma. Level three is a, uh, a university degree with a one year early childhood. And then there's a level four, which is a university uh, degree with a two year diploma. So the target was to hire um, level threes for this uh, pre-kindergarten program that the YMCA is rolling out in schools and, and in communities. There are 90 registered level threes, Linda, in Newfoundland and Labrador. So how is that going to work? Right. So our fear is that, you know, it's going to take more of our qualified early childhood educators uh, out of the early childhood sector and into the junior uh, pre-kindergarten programs. I hope not, but that is a fear. So there's, there's, you know, there's, there's just not enough ECEs to go to go around all of the programs and all of the childcare centers. And of course, this is part of your quality, right? If you, you need good educators to provide a good quality program. So we, we do have some things to still solve. <clears throat> no question. Back in January, the provincial government, of course, introduced measures to make it easier for parents to afford childcare, with the regulated uh, rate dropping from $25 a day to $15 a day. What does that mean for childcare centres? Well, this put a big demand on space in childcare centres, for sure, because some parents that had maybe a grandparent or, uh, you know, a, a less expensive or um, someone taking care of the child at home are now able to afford uh, uh, licensed uh, regulated daycare. So that did put a little bit of pressure on space. But um, like I said, uh, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of centers that have classrooms closed right now. And also, Linda, it's it's not so much to uh, age two to uh, the kindergarten year. It is a big, big, big shortage of space in birth to two years. And a lot of daycares take at two years uh, and, and they don't do prior prior to uh, to two years so that is where there's a big big uh, shortfall for parents as well so baby and infant care does that require a, a different level of training 
Yes, it does. And it also requires a higher uh, teacher to, to, to child ratio. And it's just not feasible for a lot of centers to do. And it requires a lot of space in your center to uh, provide that. Excuse me. Right, because the children are not as independent. You can't say, all right, we're going to sit in a circle now and you're going to do these things. You need cribs and you need change tables and, you you know, you need um, high chairs and a lot of equipment. And the teacher-child ratio uh, under 18 months is, I believe, one to three. So you and you need to have someone with infant care. uh, certified with infant care. A lot of still, you know, some e- some ECs do not do the e- infant piece. So that's, you know, you're taking some really highly uh, qualified ECEs and it, for the younger years when the, and the ratio is one to three. So a lot of centers don't do it just, just for many. Um, it's just not, it's just not feasible. So what's the solution for families then? Would it be to extend uh, uh, family benefits, maternal or paternal benefits? That's a, that would be an idea, one. And also uh, my fear about, um, you know, this, this uh, shortfall from birth to um, two years, there's a lot of unregulated homes going to be opening and, and have opened. And that is a really scary um there are some wonderful ones, don't get me wrong, and, and definitely family home ch- child care serves a huge uh, void in, uh, in the, um, for child care. There's no question. Some wonderful ones. I, I, can't, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. But unfortunately, there are some unregulated as they, you know, let's say in the basements of homes. And, and you know, and parents are desperate, Linda. Desperate for child care. They want to go. They have to go back. People have mortgages. You know, you're going. If you can't pay your mortgage, you don't have a house. You know, so we got a. It's a big problem. And and I, I again, I can't emphasize enough. I, I really, you know, hope we we entice some new uh, people into the profession. And uh, like I said, it's very rewarding. It's a very rewarding. It's not for everybody, but uh, if you got it, you know, if you're that way inclined with children and and love children and want to nurture them, it's a very rewarding profession. You touched on base rate of pay, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool. We're talking about early childhood education and child care centers in Newfoundland and Labrador and some of the uh, continued pressures, I guess, being faced by them and some of the improvements being made there. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is Gail Sullivan of Happy Times Preschool. She's been in the business for over 40 years now. We were talking about some of the challenges faced by child care centers in Newfoundland and Labrador. The the base rate of pay for ECEs increased from $14 to $15 an hour back in January and from uh, $16 an hour to $17 an hour for administrators. Um, Is that enough? Is it still hard to recruit ECEs? 
Okay, so I think what you're looking at there, Linda, is, and it is online, this is public knowledge, everything I'm disclosing here is is public knowledge. Um, so you're looking at um, the operating grant um, program, correct, on, on the uh, website of yeah. uh, the department. Okay, so yeah, it was 14 for ECEs, up to 16 for administrators of child care centres. This is what the operating grant suggests as... Uh, an acceptable wage. Um, there is not a daycare, particularly in Metro, that pays anyone 14 to $16 an hour. I don't think so. I mean, trainee level, personally, I feel these people are doing the same job as some of the higher, you know, educated, leveled, and they deserve a little bit better than 14 or $15 an hour. So, we have to, in the operating grant, so this is what's suggested, we have to come up with the extra money, um, and it has to come from somewhere to pay staff a little bit higher. A lot of, uh, you know, centers are paying anywhere from, I, I would think, I'm not sure now, I can only speak for myself, like minimum of 16 up to like uh, 19 for administrator perhaps, and even higher some centers to get them. And I know like on the outskirts, like CBS and Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, Pooch Cove, it's very difficult to get um, ECEs to go. You know, they have, they have transportation, gas costs are high. So there is no center paying. uh, I don't think so. Those wages that are suggested on the operating grant. And again, the money has to come from somewhere and uh, it's a struggle. It's been a struggle and food costs are gone through the roof. So the allotment for food costs in the operating grant, and you can read it, and and it's quite shocking, is $3 a day to feed a child, $0.50 for a snack, $2 for a lunch. Can you feed a child in $3 a day? (laughs) Indeed not. As you were saying it, I was sort of uh, struck dumb by the amounts. Yeah, I know you were, because I've spoken to you enough. I can feel your chin hitting the floor. It's uh, so, I mean, how do you meet these costs? I mean, we're looking at the, the increased cost in food. We're looking at uh, heat and light, of course, which is always a problem. Uh, rent in some cases. No clearing, rent, lease. People who are in childcare and, and, and for the most part, operators are in it because they love the children and they are not in it to, you know, uh, money grab or anything like that. Um, I speak for myself, but I, I know a lot of my colleagues feel the same way. You're in it because you love it and it's a passion and and a necessity. Um, so it's, it's really difficult. Um, so the operating grant is going to, I hope, be increasing in January as well. And I think a lot of centers have been uh, advocating for, you know, the food costs. I mean, it's just, as you know, they've gone through the roof. And uh, they, they, you know, now they've come up with uh, something uh, that we can submit some invoices and, and some comparison about our expenditures from what we had last year to this year. And uh, they, they're hopefully going to offset it between now and uh, the new operating grant that's going to come out in January. So they're going to help us out a bit. I hope so, because you cannot. A lot of centers now are saying, like, we can't serve food anymore. But on the operating grant, you have to serve food unless there is a reason you you can't. So you've got to buy the food. You've got to get it in the center. There's costs involved in transportation, gas, and someone got to be paid to do it. And then you've got to 
unload it, you've got to store it in a refrigerator, you have to cook it, and you have to pay his staff to cook it. You have to clean up the dishes. Uh, $3 a day is nowhere near enough. So the money has to come from somewhere. And parents are paying $15 a day, so there's not a whole lot of monthly revenue coming in from, from parents. So it's on the operating grant, and this is where I hope they are going to have some significant increases. No clearing, you know, it's, it's, these are these are high costs. So there's not a whole lot left over at the end of the month, put it that way. And at the end of the operating grant, it's, it's paid out in quarters. There is nothing left. Like, I am so stressed for the end of September. I have to... To do my payroll on a line of credit and then when I get the operating grant I'm already going into the red because I have to pay what I get on my line of credit from the previous operating grant so it's a no-win situation and it is very stressful We've seen a recent influx of young families uh, fleeing war and other difficulties in a number of regions, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, Ukraine. You mentioned Ukraine earlier. Are child care centers seeing some of these children and how, how do they pre- prepare for them? Who, uh, kids who might not speak English or who have experienced trauma or upheaval? Yes, yeah, so I have, um, I, I have um, always been very big on uh, accepting children from war-torn and, and refugees and things like that. If I, if I can, uh, I certainly do. Um, you would be amazed at how quickly those children adapt and learn the language. It is incredible. Incredible. Well, that's what you do, isn't it? That's what we do. Yep. And it's challenging because the kids are crying because they're not able to commute first, you know. But then you, you know, you figure out a way to communicate with them. You try not to rely on the translator too much, you know, because that defeats the purpose of them learning the language if you're relying on a, you know, a translator app. Um, so, yeah, it is. But it is quite amazing how quickly they learn. And um, just I'm smiling here as I'm talking to you, thinking of I got a little Ukrainian child now. And my goodness, it's just wonderful to see. And you don't know what these children have been through. And it, it you know, it takes a village, as they say, and it sure does. To, to raise a child and it's it's wonderful to see and the parents are so grateful and uh, it's, it's gut-wrenching to think about but uh, you know you do what you can so we have a new minister of education have a uh, child care operators uh, been able to meet with minister haggy to discuss some of these ongoing concerns no not yet uh, we have uh, there is a there is an organization called nl child care licensees um, that have put in a request to meet and introduce the organization to the new minister and uh, we have not heard back and that that was quite quite some time ago when the announcement was first made so we haven't heard back but again uh, we're hoping to get a meeting the organization and, and introduce ourselves and and you know there's a lot that uh, we can enlighten him on on as well. It seems like just when we get one minister enlightened, it changes. It's so frustrating. <laughs> well, Gail, I know you are incredibly busy. I am so appreciative of the fact that you were able to carve out this time for us. Uh, and just for clarification, we had to pre-record this because of your busy schedule. So I really do appreciate your time uh, today. Thank you so much. Oh, no, no worries. Thank you, Linda. 
And we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk to uh, the executive director, the new executive director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council about the lay of the land when it comes to business, small business in particular in Newfoundland and Labrador. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.